This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Bulavanaka and I am Ili Sevabati Basanga. Welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? And I am joined by the ever impressive Dean Halatau. Fakalofalahi to everyone and welcome to the show. It's great to be here once again. We've got a jam-packed show for you. We'll be joined by Fijiana Captain Sarima Lewinengila. Uh, we've got a, a question for you. you, can ask that, and it's about conflict. And we'll also chat to Amelia Rigsby, the first Fijian woman to control a box camera in the Super Rugby Pacific. Illy, what's been happening? How's your week been? Well, most of my hours in the week are taken up by work, but this week at Club Rugby, Sydney Uni Training, our more experienced players facilitated a culture check-in with our younger players. So at the start of the year, we kind of set our standards and philosophy for the year, Um, and then we do a mid-year, mid-season check-in just to make sure that, you know, our injured players are all up to speed and feel supported, and our younger players who have joined the team really feel like they're nurtured and, and making progress. So oh, cool. that was one of my favourite parts of the year. Yeah. Is there, uh, like, do you feel like you've got a really good group of younger players that they um, they sort of get where you're at? and they, yeah, 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 they're hungry. Like, they, they understand what the Sydney Uni Rugby Lionesses stand for. So I'm really, really excited for the future of our club. Oh, that's good. I love that. That's a great concept. A culture check-in. Yeah, culture check-in. How about you? How was your week? I'm similar to you. Work, my life revolves around work and my family, of course. Had the kids footy on the weekend, which I always love, but um, we had team photos. So my my son and my daughter both play at the same club. They had team photos across the weekend. My son was playing at 8am at Engadine, which is about a 20-minute drive from my house. They had photos at 7 a.m. before at the home ground. So we had to scrape him out of bed. Like my, my kids sleep really well. If they go to bed late, they're up late. They, they don't like getting up early if they don't have to. Yeah. I had to scrape him out of bed to get to his team photos. Don't tell me he had the, the sleep lines. <laughs> yeah, he looked, like, he looked like he'd just woken up when he got there. But he, oh, he's, he's five years old, so he bounces back all right once he's up. Of course. So quickly done the hair, got him down there. We nearly missed the photo because we were late. Um, but he got in there. He looked very cute and uh, he was happy. Then my daughter had to like do her bit to get ready as well. She, of course. Yeah, so that was pretty much it. Boring my kids' photos. Oh. Anyway, let's get into it. And Super Rugby, obviously on the weekend, it was a big weekend in the Super Rugby Pacific with the Crusaders taking on the Chiefs in the final. Yeah, this was a superb game and it had me on the edge of my seat from kickoff to Scott Robinson's breakdancing celebration. (laughs) I'm sure everyone saw that. Um, The Chiefs crossed the line first with a Sean Stevenson try for the Crusaders to bite back just five minutes later with hooker Cody Taylor sliding over. Now Chiefs informed winger Amoni Narawa also crossed for a try, but throughout the game, the Chiefs were burdened by three yellow cards. Can you imagine? That's tough. Three yellow cards, um, and unfortunately their captain, Sam Kane was watching the end of the game to unfold from the naughty chair. <laughs> the naughty chair. The naughty chair. I've been there. It's not, a, it's not a fun place. Now, whilst the Chiefs were the dominant team throughout the rugby season, Kane was humble in defeat and applauds the, his opposition by saying, a lot of credit must go to a quality crusader side. They've been the best for a number of years, and they managed to show that again tonight. Now, Dean, despite this final showcasing some world-class entertaining rugby. It was unfortunately marred by abuse of lead referee Ben O'Keefe from The Spectators. This is terrible. He even uh, jumped on social media. I don't often hear from referees uh, on social media, but he wanted to call out uh, what had been 
said towards him on social media, and there was a number of posts through his Instagram where he shared the words that had come from a number of obviously uh, disgruntled Chiefs fans um, and, and maybe some, some fans in general. You can't call them fans if they're going to abuse people like this online, but um, it, it's it's really ordinary that, one, he's, sta- he's out there on the biggest occasion, so no doubt this is a big achievement for him to referee a Super Rugby final. Yeah, he's great um, at what he does. And, and to to do that, and put himself out there, and then from all reports, he had a pretty solid game as as the referee. Um, then to get this sort of vile abuse from people online is um, is is really disappointing. Like, it's disappointing. It's not called for, and he has stated on social media, abuse in any form is never okay. Um, and yeah, I stand by him because look, I know I've played some rugby games where some referees' decisions are debatable. But as a player, you respect their decision. And I think the sooner spectators understand this and come to terms with it, the sooner the sport will be more enjoyable for everyone. Yep, well said, well said. Now, sticking with rugby and over to the Pacific, the second Oceania Women's Rugby Combine will be taking place in August in Fiji. Now, they had this last year where um, they flew in women from all around the Pacific to um, participate in a combine where they have a number of uh, fitness and um, physical um, testing going on and also um, an ability to be a part of a, an elite environment. And from that, they um, selected someone to be chosen for some Super W contracts, which is a, a great concept and great to see it go around again. Yeah, it's a fabulous initiative um, by Pacific Oz Sports and uh, playing against some of those players in the Super W this year, it's fabulous to see them scattered throughout the Pacific Island talent scattered throughout our Australian competition. Um, so a big shout out goes to Tonga's Luisa Pitta, Samoa's Cassie Siatanga, PNG's Naomi Kelly, and all the women vying for selection in August. Yep. It's going to be massive, and I think combine is a fancy word for testing. <laughs> yeah, testing, <laughs> testing. Oh, this is a concept that that happens in the NFL. It's happened in the NFL for a long time. So they have these combines where they bring in all draft potential draft players to go through a bunch of testing like speed, strength, agility, all that sort of stuff, um, some skill work as well. And then it gives teams an opportunity to see what uh, they might be trying to buy when they go to the draft. So I think it's a great concept. It's good they brought it out last year. 20 players altogether that will be um, coming for or heading to Fiji for an opportunity to showcase what they can do. And then nine uh, picked from that for Super W contracts. So really cool concept. And uh, I look forward to seeing um, those women run around next year in the Super W. Yeah, I'm excited. Now, for our Wallabies, they named six players with Fijian heritage in their squad to compete in the Rugby Championship throughout July. They are Rob Valentini, Mark Nawanganitawasi, Langi Gleeson and Suliasi Vunavalu. Represent our Fijians from our Super Rugby Pacific competition. Um, and overseas, our offshore brilliance from Samu Karevi and Marika Korombeti. And I am very excited to see these boys rip in um, during this championship. Yeah, this is cool. Obviously, the um, the championships are lead into what's coming later in the year with the World Cup. But um, I know the Wallabies have been in camp for the last few weeks, prepar- uh, preparing to head over to South Africa. And I think they leave um, today, actually. They left today. So uh, we wish those players and all others selected in the squad uh, all the best as they, they head across to South Africa for that series. And um, yeah, great to see that there's a number of players picked from overseas competitions too, like, even though they're out of sight so to speak. They're not out of mind and obviously showing in those competitions that they're, uh, they've got some ability. That's why Eddie Jones has picked them. Fabulous.
And now moving from the oval ball to the round ball, a feel-good soccer story. Um, A soccer fanatic couple from New South Wales has collected almost 600 pairs of secondhand football boots for children in the Cook Islands. This is awesome. I uh, I was reading the story and I got tingles up my back because I think it's uh, it's really nice that this couple, that's Sharon Pascoe and Wayne uh, Parrott from up the Central Coast, as you mentioned, they're Mariners fans. Mariners obviously took out the the A League final a few weeks ago in um, in huge fashion. Uh, they had a trip over to the Cook Islands recently, and they noticed that. Uh, they were watching some local football, soccer, and they noticed that there was a long time in between games. And uh, the reason uh, there being a long time between games was that uh, the, the players were having to take all their gear off and share it with um, the next teams to play. No way. So they, they didn't have enough um, boots for themselves and shin pads and, and the like. So the, the time in between was, was them actually sharing their equipment around. Um, so... They were inspired by this, Sharon and Wayne, when they, they got back to Australia, they decided to try and collect some boots. They, they set themselves a target of 200 pairs of, of boots, but in the end, they ended up with 576 pairs of boots, also 110 pairs of shin pads and 300 pairs of brand new socks to send over, um, which is outstanding. That's overwhelming and it does, it does warm my heart. And as a player of any sport, you when you pack your bag, you're ready. You want to go and if you don't have one piece of equipment like essentially your pair of boots, you start stressing out. So this removes the barrier and of anxiety about not having boots. So I think the players would all be very appreciative of this incentive and it's great to see people helping people. Yeah, certainly, certainly is. And also, what's more, they they actually looked at the cost to ship over all this equipment and it was going to be quite expensive, like over $3,000. So they reached out to their local minister who got in touch with uh, our Minister for the Pacific, um, Pat Conroy, and they managed to um, organise a uh, flight that was heading over to chuck all the stuff on for free. And um, yeah, it gets there for nothing. So good to see people coming together to, to help out um, kids playing sport in the Pacific. That's fabulous. I I love that story. It is great. Now, the Special Olympics in Berlin has just wrapped up. It's great to see a number of Pacific nations competing, including the likes of Fiji, Samoa and PNG. And also, they had a a fair bit of success with a number of medals picked up, including gold, silver and bronze across all nations. Uh, It's great to see the athletes competing over there and the Pacific well and truly represented. Now, on to the NRL. And there's been plenty happening this week in NRL news, along with the results. Uh, There's also been some... Uh, one boy in particular that was a little bit naughty. You mentioned the naughty corner earlier for uh, the yellow cards. Well, Reese Walsh will be sitting in the naughty corner for three matches because he was handed a, a three-game ban by the judiciary for contrary conduct towards a match official. Yeah, look, I've actually heard uh, over socials that I think his ego may be bigger than bigger than his boots. So he may he may respect that time in the naughty corner just to think about him think about his actions. Um, but look. Again, as we spoke about before, re- abuse of any kind is not welcome in our sport, and I really do hope that he fixes himself. Yeah, I think that was uh, that is something that's been said about Resource. Look, he's still very young; he's twenty years old, and he's still learning what it is to be a full time professional athlete. Um, he did make some comment after the the hearing. He said he was disappointed with the outcome, but accepted the decision of the panel. And he also mentioned that he, he knew that he's he knows that he's a role model to young kids in the community, and he's going to continue to work hard and be better in those areas that he needs to be better at. So, encouraging words from um, from Reese following that four hours the hearing lasted for. So I hope he um, had snacks. 
Yeah, I think I think he actually mentioned during the hearing that he was hungry. Um, not sure if that was uh, frowned upon by the <laughs> by the panel, but um, look, it's um, it's good that he's he's acknowledged um, that he's accepting of the decision and he'll move on and be better. In really positive news, the North Queensland Cowboys have signed four PNG orchids uh, for their inaugural NRLW season. Uh, that is S.A. Banu, Sarah Karoy, Shelley Long, and Jessica Reeves. Um, this is great for. Uh, not only the Cowboys, but also those Orchids players. Ben Jeffries, the NRLW coach for the Cowboys, he also coaches the Orchids, so no doubt he's very familiar with what the players will be bringing. Yeah, for sure. And I'm excited to see these girls' talents shine in this NRLW competition coming up because you and I both know that no one brings the footy harder than Pacific Islander talent. Yeah, and PNG in in terms of the women's game, they are a, a, a team that's been around for a long time. Just sort of nipping at the heels of the the Australians and the Kiwis and also England. Uh, they're, they're past England, I should say. Um, but this exposure that these players are going to get in the premier competition here in Australia is going to give them um, a lots of experience, and they can head back to um, their national team and probably bring um, you know some some a higher level of, of football that's going to push them even further on the international stage. Yeah, fab. Share the word, get it out there and um, get more girls up at the standard that we need to play NRLW. Up next, we've got Talanoa time. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? Now, I'm very excited today because we have Sarima Lewinangila, the Fijiana 15s captain, present with us. How are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hola, uh, thanks for having me. Um, my name's uh, Serema Leonigila. Um, I've been playing uh, ever since I was 19. Been with the squad since uh, 2016 and still now. Um, hoping to hang the boot soon, but not sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been in Brisbane for a while playing as, as well. Um, three sisters, Two sisters, sorry. There's three of us, and I'm the eldest. Uh, and I've been working at uh, Westpac uh, for a time now, and, and I'm in a one-year career break. Sarima, can you share with us uh, how you first got started in rugby? Where did the um, journey with, with rugby begin for you? Oh, uh, so uh, I was uh, jogging, running. Uh, I wanted to go and join the uh, UK uh, Navy, and I was jo- jogging one day uh, at the... On the roads one time, there was a rugby club that was uh, uh, playing at the side uh, where I was jogging. They saw me running, and one of the girls who's, uh, who's also a rep right now, uh, Royala Rendiniavuni, saw me running and uh, ran to me and asked me if I wanted to join. And I said yes, and that's where it all started. <laughs> <laughs> Talent spotted on the side of the road. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's great. Um now, what has been the impact of the Fijian and Andrua team being part of the Super W for women's rugby in Fiji, especially after winning the championship two years in a row? Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, it's an amazing, uh, it's been, I mean, some journey. Uh, when we first started, uh, no one actually noticed us when we even left the shore in the first year. So uh, it's made such an impact. When I went back home, there were so many interests. Uh, they couldn't control the number of girls that were coming in. Uh, to the clubs, uh, people know and notice you now when you're in Fiji. Uh, you know, back then it was a struggle to actually say that you play rugby, but now people are more open-minded. It's kind of a cultural shift that I've seen uh, that happened. And so it was all because of the Drua and and the Rio Olympics. Sorry, yeah. 
Was it real? No. One of the Olympics. How do you uh, yourself feel about that, uh, I guess, becoming a bit more recognised as, as you walk around uh, in Fiji? I just, uh, um, my journey hasn't been, uh, I mean, I was, I've been there ever since uh, we actually started where we were. Like I was, I used to tell people we were uh, mocked at, laughed at. We've been uh, like people swearing at us even when we were in, on, on our national jersey as they passed the cars. Uh, they used to tease us a lot. And back then, when we used to ask uh, our parents if we wanted to go and play rugby, there'll be so much uh, negativity going around, uh, especially on the family when they're just laughing at you. Um, and and from there, to see and still be part of it and see the change that ha- that has happened, it's just, well, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm just at awe most of the time. It's just thinking in that from that time of the, the, the time of the generation when I was playing till now. And it and and see so much future in it as well. Yeah, uh, and that's beautiful. And I I understand the jovial sense that our families sometimes give us because we do play women playing rugby. It's just like yeah. it's a man's sport. I get that. Yeah. And so for for me, and I'm sure it's the same for you. You just need to buckle down, head down, work hard, and then go out perform, and then make them realize I can actually play rugby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but unfortunately. It's yeah. taken a turn for the worst, especially following the Super W um, and Fijiana 15s, that rugby union, Fiji Rugby Union owes the Fijiana 15s players a lot of money. How does that feel? Yeah, um, so uh, that, was, that was something, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's something that, that's always happened in the past that I was... Uh, and uh, at one time when uh, when we were discussing a few things about um with the team of what and or what recently happened i said uh we discussed and said you know we had to voice it out before you know it would keep on happening so um so that's what that's what happened uh, so i posted the post and then it just went viral and my players were sharing it and then when the FRU released a statement, they did not agree with it and they just all backed me up and voiced it out as well. And it's something I'm kind of proud of that the girls did as well, that we voiced out our um, our frustration and and it, it's kind of a, it did a kind of a ripple effect on, on, on what we did. Uh, now people, I mean, the FRU board are actually moving and, and they're doing something about it. But yes, that was, it doesn't, I mean, yeah, uh, it's something that shouldn't have happened, but it somehow it continuously has been happening. So that's why we are we had to voice it out to put a stop to it. Are you hopeful that um, by by doing this, by you and your, your teammates standing up and and speaking out, is going to change the way uh, Fijian Rugby Union, I suppose, manages the way they do things and making sure that this doesn't happen again? Are you confident that they? They understand where where you guys are at, and uh, that they're going to try and do better. Um, I'm not really sure because uh, for, uh, I think that that inter- the the past predecessors of the board they uh, had been running uh, all those years for a very long time with the government, and back then when you voiced out or back then when you did things, uh, it didn't really actually turn out well. Uh, you could be victimized for it. Uh, your voice—it's either your voice was swept under the carpet. So this—this this is the first time actually we—we um, we actually dealt with this new board. Uh, they've reached out to me, Peter Maisie, and they've asked uh, to actually um, 
meet once I return to Fiji and talk about the the way forward for Fiji and and, and that's the first ever you know someone from from up there uh, have reached out to women's rugby and said they wanted to to do something about it. That's fabulous. And I when you posted that calling them out, I was cheering. I was celebrating. I shared it myself. <laughs> and I think the fact that you did that was so courageous, courageous for yourself, your teammates, and the rest of women in Fiji playing rugby. And what I look forward to is, yeah, them coming back and actually giving you what's worth, what what's due. Yeah. Now, after Rugby World Cup 2022, you stepped away yeah. from rugby and took some time yeah. for yourself, only to receive an SOS call from Fijiana Nandrua to come back and join the squad for this year's yeah. Super W ahead of a must-win semi. Now, talk us through how you received that phone call and how you were able to make the decision to represent Fiji again in an international arena for one last time. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, so uh, mentally, uh, everything that was happening at, at uh, I mean, with the union and what happened to me on, on, on a few years back, what we went through with journey, it took a toll on me, like, just mentally. So I stepped out to, uh, and I just hated, I just hated playing, I hated the union. I came out and then um, I wanted to journey away from rugby. Uh, and once I came here to to this family here, the Nasalo, Nasalo of um, they from they from Nandronga, and and I came here, and and that's where it all started for me. Like the healing process, uh, they took me to the club where I actually enjoyed training, enjoyed being around people, uh, gyps, and that's when I actually. By the time the call came in, I was actually. You know, I, was, I healed. I loved rugby again. I, I've learned to to move on. And um, on the first day of training, I actually went there to to see them. And all I did was I just felt sorry for the girls and uh, uh, and the team because they were going through so much, going through so many things as well. And that's when I said uh, I was unfit at the at, at the moment as well, not in form. So oh, but you still carved up Loretta's <laughs> the next week. <laughs> And then I said, um, we decided with Rossi and Colorado uh, Lomani to actually go and uh, and 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 um, answer the call of Vendrua, uh, and and we haven't regretted ever since. <laughs> Good. We're chatting with Sarima Lewinanguila, uh, the Fijiana captain, and you're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. Uh, Sarima, what about uh, that return uh, to, to that level? You mentioned you weren't quite at your, I guess, your, your peak fitness. You'd, you'd come off um, some time off. H- how did you feel coming into such a big game, um, being a semifinal, and then progressing through to the final? Did you find the energy, uh, I guess, just from the rush of being involved in such a big moment? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, being involved with the draw, I knew we were going against the Waratahs. Uh, I thought uh, I'd be going against Ely and them, but uh, <laughs> uh, that feeling, that feeling when you see all the supporters just there and, and they're shouting, and then the feeling that you are coming in as an underdog as well, uh, it gave more, more um, psychic, how you say it, more energy to actually uh, prove people wrong. And uh, everyone in Fiji had written off, I mean, mostly. Most of that had written off this team, uh, and and the girls were just, you know, everything they've been through. I t- we had talks. I talked through the senior players, and I told them, you know, if you had to, if you had to prove people wrong, this this is it. Um, you have to win the game so you can shut people's mouth and and prove them wrong. 
and the energy was just, you know, just there, the semi-final. There was so much pressure as well, but I, I knew I just had to come. I just had to, all I had to do was just be there and just play where I can, come in where I can and do the, the fit, and let the fit gang do the, do the rest. <laughs> Trust me, just seeing your name on the team list and shivers down my spine. I felt, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, you brought it, you brought the, pre- just your presence, even your name, it was amazing. And oh, congratulations <laughs> again to the Fijian and Andrew for taking out the Super W Championship this year. Thank you. Now, are you ready for our tip-ons? This oh, is our favourite, favourite segment of our Talanoa time. Yeah. You just answer the first ones that come to your mind. What are, what's your coffee order? Cappuccino. Who is your sporting hero? Celeste Revy. What would be your wrestler entrance song? I'm a survivor. (laughs) (laughs) Great. What? Who in your team was always on their phone? Vitila Tawaki. Which teammate had the worst fashion sense? And... Who is your favourite Nasalo? Oh, Sully, my dumb oh, My favourite. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure it's Sully? Oh, wait. I'm scared. No, okay. Sully. <laughs> okay. A couple more questions. Do you have a hidden talent? Yes, I can sing. Ooh. Oh. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is your celebrity crush? Oh, Nemani n- Nandala. Oh, <laughs> well, we could pass that on. <laughs> Thank you, Sarima. Thank you for joining us today. It was a pleasure and loved hearing your story, your side, and you're such a courageous woman and Thank love you. what you're doing for women's rugby in Fiji. Thank you for having me. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete. On Can You Be More Pacific? Time for us to dig into something that's uh, been burning in the mind of one of our listeners, a question that is related to being in the world of sport. And this is something that um, I think that I've, I've experienced before. I know I've experienced this before, and it was a bit of a challenge. But the question is, how did you handle conflict with a coach? Now, um, I believe this comes from an article that was on the 9NMSN website earlier in the week. There's reportedly um, an NRL coach and an NRL playmaker that have had a disagreement in front of all the team um, out in the training field, which um, obviously wasn't uh, wasn't really nice to see from a, a team point of view. But um, it's a good question because I, I know in the past, as I sort of alluded to, I've had conflict before with coaches or I've had a disagreement with the way I've seen things from a coach. And um, I'll get into how I handled that. But Illy, have you had this experience before and how did you handle it? Yeah, I have. And it is a tricky situation. And I think for the younger players, you you want to be on that team. So you're bowing down to whatever the coach says, breathes, eats, sleeps. Like you want to make sure that he's happy and you want to be on that team. So for the younger players, I feel like it stresses them out sometimes. But the the more I got into rugby and the longer I played, you kind of learn how to play the game of the coaches. You play the game and you're just like, that's when you, you get a little more confident and you you have that skill set behind you and the confidence um, knowing that you can play how they want. So you start to question them like, are you sure? Are you sure you've made the right decision? 
<laughs> because I've got proof. X, Y, Z. Here are my videos. Now, what have you got for me? That's a good point. Challenging the, I think coaches don't mind being challenged as long as you challenge them with evidence. And I've had coaches in the past that have said that, that openly say, you can come to me and talk to me about anything as long as you come armed with information. Um, so if you show that you're prepared and if you can show or demonstrate the point you're trying to make, then they'll respect that and hopefully uh, make some adjustments. But I, I, I had this coach, and I won't say who it was because um, I've got a lot of respect for this guy, but I had a, a coach that um, – he, I had a, a, asked him about the way he was playing me and, and I wanted to get more time. And um, anyway, I, I had where I wanted to be and he had a view of how he wanted to play me and there was a bit of a, a disparity between us on that. And when I went to meet with him, he talked me around and out the office really quickly. Like it was like he said what he had to say so that I would get out of there and he didn't have to deal with it. That's, this, is, this is my interpretation of it. And he didn't have to deal with it anymore. And I left and I walked away and I went, oh, I didn't really get an outcome from that that I think was fair for me. So I went back the next day and I went and I said, I think you talked me around. And I actually fronted him in that way. And this was to your point when I was a bit older, a bit wiser and had a bit more front about how I could deal with it. I was yeah. still nervous to do it, but um, yeah, I, I went in and sat down and said, look, I just wanted to catch up with you again because I feel like yesterday you talked me around and like shuffled me out the office. It wasn't really a conversation that um, went anywhere. It was just you telling me how it was and get out type of thing. No. <laughs> um, and, and my heart was racing when I was talking to this guy because he was an intimidating coach. But anyway, he um, he sort of says, no, I wasn't trying to do that. And we sort of went back and forth for a little bit. But at the end of it, he shook my hand and we walked out and then um, things sort of changed for me. Um, that The next week, I, I played the way I wanted to play. He gave me the time that I wanted and um, I felt like I played well and we were on a, on common ground. So... I think you're right, Ellie. I think when you get older and you understand where the coaches are at and you understand what they're trying to do and you know how to not necessarily play the game but how to navigate that, then uh, you can get good results often. Yeah, for sure. And I think having that conversation built up a lot of courage within you and made you more confident and, of course, enhanced that respect, respect between you both. And if I can offer any advice for any young athletes out there or any athlete of any age, if you are disappointed with a selection, then give yourself that time, process it, and then ask the coach, okay, what do you want to see from me next week? Great advice. So, and I feel feel like with that in your armor, you know what skills you can work on because you already have your skill set. So you're just going to make yourself bigger, better, faster, and stronger. Well said, well said. Needless to say, blowing up at a coach on the field in front of everyone Ooh. isn't the approach to take. So Not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you have a question, you can send it through uh, to our DMs on Instagram. I'm at Dean Hollentow and Illy is at Illy Sever B. That's me. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Illy and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around, we'll spotlight our favourite socials, but up next we talk to Fijian TV producer, host and sport camera operator Amelia Rigsby about her work in a male-dominated space. For Island Life, we're very fortunate to be joined by Amelia Rigsby. She's a TV producer, a host and a sports camera operator for the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation and she joins us today on Can You Be More Pacific? Amelia, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a real honor and privilege to, to be on your show. Amelia, if you could share with our listeners a, a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and uh, yeah, what brings you to us today. Okay. Um, 
I live in Suva, Fiji. I was born here when I was two years old because my dad was a Peace Corps volunteer. We moved back to the United States. Um, I lived there for the good portion of my formative years. And then when I was a teenager, I came back to Fiji. Um, I started in radio when I was 19 years old. That was in 2002. I probably shouldn't have mentioned the year. I know I just aged myself. Um, I worked in radio uh, through the ranks. I became a, the mid-morning show host, then the promotions coordinator, then the program director. Um, it was in 2013 that I tried out for, for my first TV role. They were looking for a host of the uh, music show program that aired on the weekends. So I went for that, didn't get it. But what they did do was they saved me and they made me the host for um, the Mike show, which was Fiji's version of um, Australian Idol. Um, fast forward three years, I uh, was called into audition for Fiji's breakfast show, which is the only live breakfast show on TV that airs between 6 to 8, 8 a.m. I got that. I did that for four and a half years until COVID. Um, COVID happened. I left Fiji TV and I joined the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, where I've been for the last uh, two and three or four months. Two years and three or four months. Wow, Amelia, that is, that sounds like an extensive career already. And I, <laughs> I I just love how hearing that you just kept turning up and coming back and trying and knocking on doors. Um, how did you find that that was for you as as a female? Well, you know, to be quite honest, the first time that I tried out to, for TV, I remember walking into the general manager's office for the radio station that I worked for at the time because I was a program director and I wanted to kind of get his thoughts on, on everything. And I remember that he sat there, he let me, he looked me dead straight in the eye and he told me, oh, you know, maybe TV's not for you. Um, I don't know, you know, do, do you really think you have what it takes to do TV? And I remember just kind of like sitting there looking at him and not really knowing what to say. And I think for me, that was kind of a turning point. I could have either listened to what he said, never tried out, or I could have stuck to my guns. And I'm so glad that I did stick to my guns. And I think for a lot of um, women in the Pacific, um, in the Pacific region, because we come from this culture where women are often seen and not heard, where we're supposed to be submissive, um, sometimes it's a, it's a little bit harder to kind of go for the things that you want. And I remember saying to... Um, a, f a few of the females on the camera crew that I work with, because it's majority men. We have like two or three females on the camera crew at any one time. I remember telling them once that because we're women, we will always have to work harder than everybody else um, to, to show that we deserve to be there, to show that we can do the same work that they can, that we're just as strong as they are, that we can work the same amount of hours. But, you know, through all of those things... Um, I've, I've never really kind of been bitter about it. I think for me, the, the takeaway lesson from all of that is that, you know, if you put your mind to something and if you work really hard, doors will open for you. I mean, it sounds like uh, you're playing an important role now as, as a mentor to other young women that, that want to um, pursue careers or that, that want to be in the same industry that you're in, or not even just that, women that, that are aspiring to be um, in, in roles that are, that are probably typically male dominated is that is that something mm. that you've um that you've taken on yourself as, as a bit of a leader and a mentor to others oh man you know I've, it's not something that i <laughs> really thought about doing um i think that i think for, for not just for women but i think for most people if if you're in the right space and you're doing the right thing i mean sometimes without even kind of realizing you you become a mentor to people without even trying um I think for me personally, I've always kind of looked at women who've been in my field and just kind of 
watch them and follow their lead, follow their example. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not something that I, I go out and try to actively do. I'm, but I guess in the same sense, you really kind of never know who's watching or you really kind of never know who's kind of watching the things you do or reading the things that you post up. And I think it's always um, really, really important that you're mindful of those things uh, because what you do or what you say, or what you put up um, can be used as an example for other people who kind of want to follow you in your steps, whether it's whether it's for good or whether it's for bad. Yeah, for sure. And I, I really admire that that approach. Humble in your approach. You never know who's watching, um, especially right. working in those space when when you are, say, a minority in, in your workspace. Now, if we can shift more towards where you are now, uh, mm-hmm. working behind the box camera, how did you get involved? How did that start out? Especially because it's, okay, so- it's your job on the weekend. Yes, yes. So um, when I was working at the other the other television station, uh, we used to do a lot of outside broadcasts, a lot of OBs, and I'd always beg to kind of be on the crew. You know, I can I'll do anything. I'll I'll run cables. Um, I'll be your runner. I'll go and grab water for everybody. Um, you know, just let just let me like get behind the camera. But a lot of times when I was on these outside broadcasts, uh, because I do host and I have a background in radio. I was always the one, you know, dressed up and looking pretty and holding the mic and interviewing people. But I always kind of wanted to be, you know, in the background doing the nitty gritty. So when I joined the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, again, I joined as a producer and a host. And I remember that there was one guy who kind of took me under his wing. His name is Mike Kelly. And I remember telling him, you know, the, the main reason I joined the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation is because I would love to, to get behind the camera. The first week that I was there, they had, an, they had an outside broadcast. It was for um, secondary school athletics. He went up to the head of the TV sports channel, told him that I wanted to be on an outside broadcast. And that weekend, I, I was behind the camera. And I think one of the, the what great things that I've seen at the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation that I haven't seen in a lot of media companies is just their willingness to share knowledge. You know, there was no shortage of people telling me, okay, like, look, you know, when you when you set up your camera, make sure that you remember this. Oh, look, that was a great shot, but, you know, next time maybe try this. Or, you know, you did this, but I feel like you were playing it safe. Don't be afraid to take risks. If anything, we can always switch to somebody else's shot. And I think it's because I was surrounded by, you know, such an amazing group of people who are always willing to help and share knowledge um, that I was able to kind of learn better and learn quicker. Um I was able to get on the box lens camera because coming up towards uh, Super Rugby, um, at the time, there was only one box lens camera in the country. It was a 50 times lens, and there was only one guy who kind of specialized in it. Everybody else was on regular cameras. But towards the Super Rugby production, because, you know, they had specific needs, um, the company that I worked for bought three more box lens cameras. So now we had four box lens cameras. And I remember because they wanted us to kind of rotate on it, um, they were like, look, the next... Super Rugby game that we're going to have in Suva, you're going to be on the box lens camera. And I just remember being so nervous. You know, this was a, it was a crucial game. Um, I was just nervous about not being able to get the tries. And to be quite honest, the first try that came over my side, when, and it was on the far side of the field, when he crossed the line, I was so nervous, I completely missed the try. But I got the <laughs> other try that came across the line. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And I was like, someone come and take this camera off of me. But I just remember the director kind of he said a few choice words, and it was like, don't be nervous, you've got this. And the, he's like, just have fun with it. And the rest of the game, that's just what I did. Like, 
all of the other shots that I've always wanted to get that I couldn't because the lens on my camera wasn't strong enough. You know, I was able to get like Ravutaumanda waiting at the end of the end of the field and you can just see his face and he's just like so nervous because he's waiting, you know, just for that chance to grab the ball, uh, doing close-ups on people right before they went down for the scrum. And you can see that they're tired, but they're trying their best. It was just, um, it was the most amazing thing. I love that you uh, wanted to get down in, in the nitty gritty of, of what happens in a in an outside broadcast and and, and be there, like you said, um, to to even run cables. Uh, and as it turns out, um, on the box camera, and and your work is on display for everyone to see. Because if you miss yeah. it, like you said, um, <laughs> everyone that's watching the show knows knows that <laughs> you've missed it. So I, I love I love hearing that uh, that challenge that you took on and, and the way that you took it on. Um, it, it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We're chatting with Amelia Rigsby from the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation. You're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. Now, Amelia, I guess um, the question is, it, sport in general, we know that rugby is, is so well-watched in, uh, and well-supported in Fiji. Is mm-hmm. sport something that um, you yourself uh, participated in as a youngster and always had a passion for? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um to be quite honest, I, I've always loved sports. I've always competed in sports from throughout secondary school. The, the one thing that I have no idea about, you know, and funnily enough, I, I do it now for a living, is, is rugby. So when I first used to be on camera, they'd be like, oh, give us a scrum half. So I, was like, I have no idea who that is. And they're like, oh, my God, it's the third one from the left. Because when I was, when I was growing up, it was always um, athletics. I ran track in school. I, was, I also did high jump. Um, I did the 400 meters and 4 by 4 I did high jump in high school. I also started doing uh, karate when I was in secondary school, and I did that all throughout secondary school and through my union early radio days. Uh, I'm currently a second-dan black belt in Okinawa Gojiru Karate. Um, I've competed uh, nationally and internationally, and it's been something that I kind of still hold dear to my heart. Uh, it's introduced me to a lot of wonderful people that I've uh, grown up with. I don't do a lot of karate now, um, but I do kind of participate in CrossFit and boxing. Um, and again, that kind of has introduced me to a lot of wonderful people that I'm so grateful to call uh, friends and family. And uh, I don't get to get out and take part in sports as much as I'd like to at the moment, just because my schedule's really, really busy. But whenever I do, I go back to those to those places and it's just like coming home. Fabulous. That 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 is an extensive career you've got there. You sound like you've been busy. And might I say, <laughs> karate, boxing, um, CrossFit, they're all really disciplined sports. And, and I'm, it's a credit to you in how you've gotten from where you, where you were through radio and now behind the box camera um, that these sports have kind of kept you in line and kept you humble and grounded. Thank, um, what you, I, thank you. What I want to ask you now is where... You're now behind working behind a box camera. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in the landscape of film and television for Fiji? Do you see yourself progressing maybe behind the desk? Um, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. I've uh, And it's something that I've kind of been thinking about a lot lately. Um, the current work that I do, I um, produce a number of shows already, uh, but there, was sh- kind of, there were kind of shows that I inherited. Um, but, you know, now that I've I've done this, I've realized that the new goals that I probably need to set for myself, and I think one of the goals that I've always, one of the dreams I've always had is kind of uh, producing a show that kind of focuses on the stories of people, uh, normal everyday people. 
um, people who might have stories who are kind of just similar to mine. Um, they may have had goals they may that may have seemed out of reach to a lot of people, um, but they went after it and they got it. And I think for me, moving forward, I think that's something that I'd, I'd really like to do, just focusing and telling stories about regular people in Fiji, fingers crossed in the Pacific, who've had goals that might have seemed kind of far-fetched to everybody else, but they stuck to their guns and they got it. Well, Amelia, it's been great to have you on the show. We, we appreciate your time. Uh, it's also been great to hear about your story. And, and as an example for, for others listening, it's uh, it, no doubt it's inspiration and motivation um, for others to, to follow in, in, a, in a similar path. So thank you once again, and uh, good luck on the, on the camera uh, with any upcoming <laughs> games you. you got. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Now, in the absence of Sarah, our social queen, we thought we'd respect her absence by continuing the segment, which I'm very excited about this week because I found a perla um, in my algorithm by Fit Kid Fitness Insta. Now, as you know, it was Samoan Language Week a few weeks ago, and he just reminds us about this word that we may have forgotten. Sup guys, as you know, it's Samoan Language Week, and the word that I want to give you today is kui. Kui means poke or fork. But also you can pronounce it as kui, which translates in English as kui. hurts more hearing that or you pumping the air, like fist pumping the air while that goes on because of Queenslanders. I mean, if there was a camera in the room, yeah, uh, you would see me celebrating. So thank you, Fit Kid, for that reminder. Made famous, that was uh, Billy Moore, one of ABC Grandstand's callers, uh, saying Queenslander as he walks down the uh, the tunnel. I can't remember, back when he played in 1970 or something like that. No, nah, I'm just joking, Billy. <laughs> it was the 90s, uh, but good find from you. I like that. Thank you. What have you got for us? Well, last week, the Panthers, uh, they were able to get one over the Knights at home. I think it was 20 to 12, the final score. But one of the tries was scored by Tyron Peachy, who's a bit of a journeyman, been around for a while, a couple of stints at uh, the Penrith Panthers. And when he scored his try, the slow-mo footage of him scoring was pretty cool. It was from like one of the, the cameras in the in goal. And he just takes a big swan dive with a really like just cool look on his face as he's sailing through the air. And it got turned into a meme, of course, uh, Peachy flying through the air on their Instagram, the Panthers one. Uh, they've posted a video and uh, they've just got a whole bunch of different um, scenarios with music playing in the background. They've used this, this music's been used before when Cam McInnes took a dive last year trying to tackle. It's been refreshed and, yeah, it's just flying Peachy, really. And then they've also thrown it out there for anyone to do their best um, – photo crop of uh, Peach with his uh, body flying through the air in different scenarios. Classic. The, the one I liked the most was uh, him as Ariel, the little mermaid. <laughs> so if you go to the uh, the Panthers Instagram page, you can um, jump on the video uh, and watch that. But also a couple of tiles back, you'll see the, the pictures of Peach hand gliding, Peach diving off ropes, Peach as Ariel diving through the, uh, through the air. So it's uh, pretty funny. Who does it better? Who's the most acrobatic? Um, Peach <laughs> as <course>. Ariel, yeah. <laughs> ABC Radio Australia, your home of Sarah and Dean. Illy, lots of sport coming up this weekend, and it all begins straight after the show. Yes, it does. It's the Wallaroos versus the Black Ferns in Brisbane tonight at Morton Daly Stadium. 
playing in just a moment after our show. Now, there's only 10,000 seats in Morton Daly Stadium, so we are calling everyone to get out there, even if it's just at halftime. Get your booties down there and cheer on our girls. And it's exciting because both squads are quite fresh. They're quite fresh. Our Black Ferns have named six debutantes to play in the first O'Reilly Cup clash against Brisbane, uh, against, sorry, Australia. Um, Bay of Plenty loosehead prop, Kate Henwood, former New Zealand Rugby League convert and player, Caitlin Vahakolo, and Chiefs Manoa wing, Merarangi Paul, have been named in the starting 15. These girls are exciting. This should be a cracking game. Both, as you said, both teams coming off a spell. Uh, The Black Ferns, Wallaroos, always a, a, a good encounter between two nations that hate Playing each, I hate each other on the sporting arena. It's but a respected rivalry, yeah. Yeah, but the Black Ferns obviously a bit of an international powerhouse. Can the Wallaroos get the job done? Well, word is in the camp, the girls are quietly confident. You know, they've had that test trial game, uh, test match against Fijiana where they came out on top and stunningly, might, might I add, it was there for that game. Um, but the Wallaroos have had a bit of a change-up in their lineup. Tanya Naden comes into the starting pack at hooker um, with, unfortunately, Adiana Talakot having a calf injury. So speedy recovery to Adiana. Um, we see our favourite runner of the ball, Eva Kapani, tight head prop. Um, and we have Cecilia Smith leading the centres with young Faitala Maleka and the backs, the Ka- Kapani is fast for a prop forward. She is fast. Look. I got to tell you, she was a winger. Right. She was a winger. So you add size and muscle to that, and she is unstoppable. Look, I've I've actually seen her, um, witnessed her in a sevens tournament. Yes, she played sevens. Um, she laid out our cap, our former captain Grace Hamilton sent her skyrocketing. She got airtime. I just I remember the one she scored at the SCG last year, where she just took off. Oh, um, almost like sixty the meter prop yeah. try. We'll call it. It'll be length of the field in a, in a yeah, couple of, of years. Yeah, of course. Children are free entry for that game, actually, by the way. So it's worth noting that. And go, Sarah. We'll be supporting you all the way. Yes, Sarah. Bring it bring it off. Bring it hard off the bench. And we can't wait to watch you girls and cheer you on for another win. Now, over to Rugby League and the Ron Massey Cup this weekend is in round 14. The Silk Tails had a win at home in Nandy last week against Mounties 22-20. So they now come back to Sydney to take on uh, the Hills Bulls at Crestwood Reserve out in the West. Uh, and in the Q Cup, it's round 15. The PNG Hunters will take on the Central Queensland Capras at home in Port Moresby. They had a win against the Sunshine Coast Falcons last week on the Sunny Coast. So the PNG Hunters having a, a pretty decent season and sitting mid mid to upper end of the table, which is uh, good for them in their uh, finals aspirations. So wish both the Hunters and the Silk Tiles all the best this weekend. NRL's round 18, Illy, and some big games coming up. The Warriors, who are hot, they are in form. They are playing really well, led by Sean Johnson, their their halfback, and formerly one of the greatest players in the world as a Golden Boot winner, um, and he's probably in career best form. They take on the Bunnies, who have sort of faltered a little bit on Friday night over in uh, Auckland, so that's going to be a big one. The Storm versus the Panthers on the same night down in Melbourne. That's actually moving to Docklands, so um, they've, they've moved away from Amy Park for this um, game. There's the, the World Cup sort of impacted venues for the next little while, the Women's World Cup in soccer, that is. So that's going to be a big one, two top-of-the-table teams in the Storm and the Panthers. And the last game that I'm looking forward to is the Broncos taking on the Dolphins. Um, 
Battle of Brisbane, as it's become known, that's going to be at the Gabba. So another moved game. They're, they're away from um, Lang Park and taking on the Dolphins at the Gabba. And it looks like Hamaso Tabuifudo is going to be playing in the centres this week. Oh, that's exciting. And Broncos have to deal without Reese Walsh. Yeah, no Reese Walsh because he's in the naughty corner. <laughs> Hopefully he comes out better for it. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, don't forget, you can catch Andrew Moore and the Grandstand Rugby League team calling all the games on Radio Australia. Now, that brings us to the end of the show, but we will be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget, you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcast. More there. Talk to you. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.